Alright, if you didn't know who Brian Fallon is before today, you do now. Guys, it's me, Finister, from the Houston Dynapod Podcast, and we are back. We got a lot to talk about. A lot. It's been almost a week since my last episode, and we've had two matches. We really actually signed a designated player. And so much more. We sold Christian Ramirez. So, like I said, that intro, Brian Fallon, Horrible Crows, Katy Perry cover. Check him out. He's a fantastic musician. So, it's official. Teenage Dream Hadibi is here. He cost us roughly $1.65 million. First thing I want to just throw out there. I am extremely happy that the nickname I made for Teenage Dream Hadibi has been picked up by mainstream media. I think the Dynamo even referred to him as that from their official club count, which I think is incredibly awesome. I never expected anything that I made to be picked up by anything mainstream because, as you know, uh, mainstream people, they don't really dig the kind of stuff I do. But whatever. Fuck them. So we also have to make a chant for him. We need to start having chants for our players. We don't have anything. And this one's easy. For A chant for Teenage Dream Hadibi, we just rip Katy Perry off again. We could just sing, I'm a, you're going to get my heart racing in your skin tight jeans. We could do anything. Anything we want. Literally. Literally anything we want. So apparently, apparently, Teenage DB has to quarantine ahead of his ability to train. But there's other reports that say he could appear on Saturday. It's highly unlikely. Truth be told, I know he's our designated player. I know we're excited. But to play him on Saturday versus Cincinnati at home would be kind of negligent and irresponsible. I mean, what kind of fitness is he in? Does he know our players? How comfortable is he understanding what Tab Ramos wants him to do? I think to play him Saturday would be a huge mistake, but I'm not Tab Ramos. I would imagine we start to see him full-time uh, two to three weeks. Two to three weeks, I think we'll start to see him. I think this is a signing that if we had made earlier in the season, this could be a couple extra points potentially on the table. I also think the amount of time he's going to get depends on how close we are to a playoff spot, but at the same time with him being a designated player, I imagine that Tab has been told from the front office in a polite way, hey Tab, could you uh, could you get the designated player we finally signed onto the field as soon as possible? Okay, thank you. I could imagine that being a conversation with from Matt Jordan, but obviously it would probably sound a little bit different. Great news if you're a Marco Marriage fan like I am. He was in the team of the week. And it's about damn time he's gotten some recognition for what he's done this season. Now, I say this, but if you go back and look at his stats, he's not terribly better. He's not. His save percentage is up 2% from last year, but his pass distribution percentage is down considerably. Simple fix for that, have him play out the back. Stop making him boot it long. Let Lundquist or Zarek or Parker pass the ball. If Marco's not doing a good job of distributing, let him roll it, play out of the back. You know, it'll help us maintain possession a little bit longer than we have been because our possession numbers, as you all know, they have not been uh, anything to write home about. I would like to start seeing uh, Mateo Bahamich get in a little bit more, even if it is five to ten minutes at the end, because we're seeing Ari Lasseter come in, and you can't tell me that Mateo's upside is less than Lasseter. Can you really tell me his upside right now is lower than Memo Rodriguez? I know we haven't seen a lot of him, but I do feel his upside is top five on our team. His potential peak, depending on how well he adjusts and how well he takes to the system. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I also feel that Bahamich may enter into the mix more as the season goes on. But right now, he's obviously pretty low in the pecking order when it comes to our attacking options. Now, Superman's gone. Christian Ramirez has been sold to Aberdeen for $250,000. What did we lose? We lost eight goals in 16 starts. If you add total games played, I think it was eight goals in 31 games over approximately two, two and a half years. Not huge numbers. I don't think anybody else has scored eight 
in that time frame. Maybe Memo. I know Quintero has, but we know what his deal is. I think we are losing a quality backup, but if we had to cut his wages for a true starting center back and a designated player, then so be it. It is what it is. I think he hustled. I think he fit in well with the team. I was a little disappointed this season that he was just passed over so quickly. Like he lost the job before they even had a chance to fight for it. But Maxie's been great. Maxie's been doing very, very well. So today's a big day. It's a big day in the life of Finister. England, the three Lions, they take on Germany in the Euros. And I don't feel good about this one. Germany, I watched them play Portugal, and they look like the World Cup winning Germany. They look like they are back, and they have something to prove. And having watched England in every match, I am not very confident. Harry Kane needs to show up today. Sterling and Foden got to give him the ball. If Harry doesn't show up today, this game is over. Personally, I think Germany's going to win. I think it's going to be a 3-1 to or a 2-1, to but I don't have a good feeling. So, boys and girls, before we start breaking down the, uh, the Portland and Real Salt Lake matches, let's talk about why I have been missing. So I went on vacation again. Finister, you take a lot of vacations. Yeah, but I do it cheap, player. I do it real cheap. So I went to Asheville with my girlfriend, who is relatively new. I think we've been dating for like a month and a half, which I know you're like, that's a little fast. You're taking a vacation after a month and a half? Are you crazy? A little bit. So one thing I can tell you about Asheville, North Carolina, it costs about $90 to fly there round trip from Hobby. And they have more breweries per capita than any other city in the United States. We were trying to walk like, I don't know, five blocks. And every time we saw a brewery, we just went in and had a beer. It took us four hours to walk five blocks. There's breweries on every corner. It's absolutely amazing and ridiculous. There's also a lot of homeless people who, uh, I have this, this thing where I like to wake up early because my body does and go get coffee and sit outside and drink coffee and read, which I do on vacation a lot because I try to unplug from TV and everything. I would sit out there in the morning at 7 a.m. and I would listen to the homeless guys argue and fight and call each other names. There was a dude barefoot and shirtless walking back up and down the street yelling for his mob. And then at some point, he just laid down on his back, put his shirt over his eyes, and went to bed. These guys literally lay. They will lay on the sidewalk next to restaurants. They will lay on the bench next to a shop. They just lay wherever. A great place to be homeless if there's going to be one. But Jesus, can we can we do something with these guys? Can we, can we put them somewhere? Like... I don't know, out of sight, out of mind. You know, we don't want to look at our problems. We want to act like they're not there. Now, while I was in Asheville, we found this place called the Old London Old London Road Pub. Oh, my God. It was fucking awesome. They had a Dynamo scarf there, too. I think it was backwards or inside out, but whatever. Our club's been inside out for quite some time. I went to watch Denmark play Wales because, as you know, I'm a huge Tottenham fan, which means in this match... Most of me was rooting for Wales, but a little bit of me was rooting for Denmark because of Christian Eriksen, my favorite player, and Pierre-Emil Hoybier. But Wales has the Welsh Mafia in Joe Rodon, Ben Davis, and uh, Gareth Bell. So when I get there, there is a legitimate man from Wales there. He stood up, he sang the anthem, he was very, very vibrant, and they lost. They got fucking killed. And he was pissed. He felt like the Danes were running it up and just being dicks and still celebrating when it's, you know, 4-0 and there's a red card. I started talking to him and I was wearing my, my Spurs shirt. And he was like, are you local, mate? That's not how Welsh people talk, but uh, uh, Garth Paul, uh, are you local, mate? And I said, no, I'm not local. I'm here on vacation. And he said, well, you know, you, sh- you should come down sometime. I was going to invite you out. We got a regular Spurs crowd here. So I ended up at a Spurs pub in North Carolina, and it was packed. The atmosphere was great. The food was uh, amazing. I wish Houston had something like this, but not like Pitch 25, you know, because Pitch 25 is its own little animal. This was definitely like uh, a diamond in the rough, like something really cool to find. 
Now, while in Asheville, we were out walking one night. It was Saturday night. And we walked by a smoke shop because there's also a lot of them. You go to hippie towns, you're going to find smoke shops. Now, marijuana is not legal there, but Delta 8 THC is. And they grow the hemp in the windows. And I swear to God, I'm like, oh, look, they're just growing weed. So we went in to look because when I'm in a place where it is legal, I will use it. Okay. And I asked, you know, do you have pre-rolled flour Delta 8? Which, by the way, if you don't know what Delta 8 is, it's basically like weed, but not as strong. So I bought a pack of five pre-rolled half-gram joints. So we get to a cigar bar, and you're allowed to smoke inside. So I go in the very front room with these nice leather couches and this rustic, this rustic light fixtures and stuff, and I light one up. And suddenly, in walks this bald man, like fucking Scooby-Doo smelling Scooby snacks. And he's like, hey, man, are you, are you smoking weed right now? And then I had to explain to him what Delta-8 THC is, which, by the way, if you try to explain scientific things to people that smoke weed, it takes a while. Long story short, I was like, do you want to try it? And he said, yeah. And he smoked it wrong at first. And then I had to tell him, like, dude, you need to hit it like you're hitting the end of a joint. So he did. And he was like, oh, now I feel it. So then his phone rings. And it's his friend. And he says, hey, can I invite my friend in? And this is a public place. You can go wherever you want. Sure, invite your friend in. So he tells his friend. He goes, hey, man, I'm, I'm in the special room. And I'm, I go up. Like, literally, it wasn't fun. I go, it's not a special room, dude. It's just the room in the front. He goes, okay, yeah, yeah. Come to the special room. I'll see you when you get here. And he hung up. I'm like, man, this is not a special room. This is not like, hey, smoke your fake weed in here. It's just a part of the cigar bar. So I ended up smoking with him and his buddy. And the girl I was with does not smoke because she has a real job and gets drug tested. Huh, that sucks. So as we left, I lit another one up. And then we went into a bar, ate some pizza. And uh, I think I lit another one, and she kind of got irritated, thinking that I was doing something wrong. But I was just like, all right, cool, I'll stop. So I stopped, and then I had to like kind of really explain that it's, it's legal. I'm not actually doing nothing wrong. Blah, blah, blah. It's fine. We're cool. Totally fine. She's great. So we drank lots of beer. There were lots of dudes with man buns, so I fit in perfectly. Now, I learned a little something on this trip as well. I learned what it looks like when another human being has a panic attack. And I'll tell you what, it's not scary, but it, it, it really made me, it made my heart hurt for the person because it was the girl I went with. We were at a brewery and she said, I don't feel good. So we, we head back to where we stayed, which was a, a hostel. It's a recurring theme in my life. She goes and throws up and then she comes back and she tells me she has to lay down. Well, she ended up in bed until the next morning. It, it was it was scary for me and like it sucked because you just want to make them feel better. But at the same time, it kind of worked out well because she told me there's nothing you can do. I need to be alone. Go out and do whatever it is you're going to do. So I did. So I got my phone and I made a map. I was going to walk all the way down to the minor league baseball stadium where they filmed Bull Durham. And I was going to hit every single brewery on the route and on the way back. Yo, I walked for four fucking hours I drank quite a bit of beer and I also bought some of those those Delta 8 gummies and when I got back I was just so happy and she just wanted me to go to bed and shut the fuck up so I did she was like you need to go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep but to talk about this a little bit more um, growing up panic attacks and mental health were not something that anybody talked about you just dealt with it and you shut the fuck up and you moved on so that was how I was raised to look at mental health issues. Deal with it. Anxiety is not real. It's something people make up. No, it, it really is real. So it gave me a little bit more of a perspective on how to handle things like this and what to do and just to be patient. And she was worried that it would affect how I feel about her. It doesn't. Still love her. She's fantastic. It's just, it's just a neat little thing we get to deal with every so often, I guess. Right? I guess. Which, I don't know. It's like having a... It's almost like having a, a menage a trois. Because you got that little that little other side of you that comes out every now and again. And if you've listened to this, you know I have many sides of me that come out from time to time. Right? Many, 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 many. So, we're going to talk about Portland real quick. And we're going to flip the format like we did on the Ted Siegel episode. Where you're going to hear clips from the game that I think were important. 
different po points in the game, and then we're going to talk about them. So before I do that for each one, we're going to go lineups and stats. Alrighty, and then after the clips, I'm going to give you my little my little summarizationals. So we started Marco Marich, Lundquist, Tim Parker, Minor Figueroa, Zarek Valentin, Joe Corona, Derek Jones, Jones, Matias Vera, who got called a little bitch on Discord for his lack of hustle. Which he did hustle, didn't hustle. It was, it was that goal was his fault. And up top you had Pasher, Maxi, and Fafa. I wish they did stats by half because the first half we kicked their ass. The second half we fucking screwed the pooch. So shots, they outshot us, sixteen to fourteen. But we had four on target. They had three on target. Possession wise, they beat us fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. At the end of the first half, we were up with like fifty-eight, fifty-nine percent possession. So second half we fucked this up big time. Passes, they had 383 to our 378. Pass accuracy, we hit 80%, they had 81. 14 fouls apiece, we had three yellows apiece. We, know that we had three, they had three yellows, we had one. We each had one offside, we had seven corners to their four. We should have won this game. Hands down, we should have won this game. But what we're going to do now is we're going to jump back in and we're going to talk about this. Look to build on the 11 points they have earned so far. They are in orange. Portland is in green. It's game on here at BBVA Stadium. So going into this match, we all thought that this would be hard. But we knew, we knew that we had a really good chance to take three points. Because at home, we play well. Portland had a long way to go. And they definitely were playing in a climate much different than their own. But some shit happened. Here's what happens. Zonal marking here from the Portland Timbers. You need a good ball in here. You get one. It squirts yeah. through everybody. Here's a Rooney. Shot is saved by Eva Mitson. Headed in. So Fafa kind of stole a goal from Minor Figueroa. But how excited is everybody at this point in the match? We've gone up early. We've been dominant. We're on the front foot. Our press looks good. We're operating in their half the entire, what is it, 15 minutes of the first of the match. I was so fucking excited. They scored. I picked my daughter up in the air, threw her. I always do that. She's eight. She weighs like 70 pounds. It's getting harder to do. But at this point in time, I'm thinking, man, we look good. Man, this is a definite three points. Definitely going to win this match. So what happens? Rudy again, who just loves to take up that position at the far post. Vera will get it over. Oh, look at this. It's a second off the crossbar. And then Fafa Pico on the follow. It's blocked. So... Matias Vera, underrated passer. When we hit the crossbar, part of me kind of knew this, that goal, that opportunity was going to be really, really important. We, we all know it turned out to be important, but when I saw that, I'm thinking, man, th three inches further down, and it's 2 nothing right now. But this little voice inside of me was like, hey, Finister, you know, that's called karma. That's foreshadowing. And it was because we were gonna we were gonna need a third goal to win this match, and this was one of our best opportunities to be denied by the crossbar. Either way, Figueroa did a great job of getting forward, but but that great job of getting forward comes and kicks us in the ass in the second half, which that uh, was ugly as hell. Nice whipped in ball, Vera. Pasher, Pasher with a right foot goal. He bent it in. With his off foot, Tyler Pasher is back now. It's his second goal of the year after injury coming back here tonight to produce goal number two. And this is a big one in the 33rd minute. Literally like four minutes before Tyler Pasher does this, I've made the comment in Discord, Tyler Pasher has not been the same since his injury. He looks off. I thought at the beginning of the match that Tyler looked like he was trying to draw fouls by going down quite easily. In fact, I think it was the first corner kick, first or second one. I was watching him. I go, man, he looks, he looks exhausted. He looked tired already. You know, maybe that's him working back to fitness or what, but he looked like he was breathing pretty heavy that time that uh, early on. So I was wondering, I was thinking, man, maybe the magic's gone. Maybe he really is just a USL player that had a couple good games. But when he did this, when he took the ball and he rolled it onto his right foot, his weak foot, and then he curled it into the bottom right corner, that was really impressive. He did that with his weak foot. Not every player in MLS, not every player professionally can do that with their weak foot. You have to have a weak foot to play. But what Tyler Pasher did right there, 
I think that little move, in my mind, cements him as an MLS player. Maybe not a starting MLS player week in, week out, but definitely he deserves to be here. And that was a phenomenal goal. Tyler, I'm sorry I talked shit about you. Careful here. Oh, this is dangerous. This is a Bobasi trying to get a shot off here. Portland trying to sneak a goal in here and steal the Dynamo Thunder. Save at the near post. Marco Marich had it sealed off. Marco Marich with a nice save. That's something that we've heard quite often this year. That wasn't a difficult chance, but it was a, a chance that could have been a goal. But Marco was in the correct position. He saved the shot. That's an easy save to put on your stat sheet. But there are players that screw that up. There are keepers that do not protect the near post, and they let easy goals in. So you're going to be noticing, especially with Real Salt Lake, there's a lot of Marco Marich with a great save because he's been, he's been pretty good for us, hasn't he? Well, Glenn, this is, this is just unacceptable. If you're the Houston Dynamo, you have to understand how many times in the past you've been burned by counterattacks on your own corner kicks. It's absolutely unacceptable that it's a three versus one in favor of Portland here. Very, very poor start to this second half from the Houston Dynamo. But I couldn't agree with Eddie Robinson more. What in the fuck were we doing? First of all, we came out at halftime flat once again. This has been a recurring theme this year, last year, the years before. We come out to open the half and the other team gets on the board. I'm pretty sure Portland did it to us the first time around in Portland as well. I'm almost positive the same shit happened. We got beat on a counterattack. Why do we have that many players forward when it's 2 nothing? On a, on a set piece. That I didn't understand. I do not understand when you're up like that. You have a two-goal cushion and you're at home putting all those players up. I get you want that third and final nail in the coffin, but you also got to be smart. And the only one that really looked like he almost made it back was Jones and Vetta. Jones and Vetta were the defenders. Figueroa wasn't there. Parker wasn't there. We had our defensive mids playing back. I get putting your big guys in the box to get a head on it. You know who's pretty fucking big is Derek Jones. He's 6'4", 6'3". He's the biggest player on the roster. Put his big ass up there and leave Parker and, and Figueroa back. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to like rag on the situation, but that was, that was unacceptable, as Eddie Robinson said. That never should have happened. And that's something we got to fix. Little cheap-ass goals because we come out from the half asleep. That's got to be better. Rudy. Oh, Maxi looked him off. Off the turn again. It's a chance if Vera can get there. He gets clipped by the goalkeeper. No penalty. And the cross will sail wide. All right, if that's not a penalty, it's a yellow card for simulation, period. That's something that's got to be done in these games. Matias Veda, just play the ball. If you stay on your feet, maybe with the left foot you can tap it in. He didn't touch you. We watched the replay. We got guys that go for penalties, and then they don't get them because they're, they're acting, and then we lose an actual scoring opportunity. Put the ball on net. Put it on target. Don't just fall down because he came close to you. Shit. That's like when you think there's an offside or you think there's a foul and we stop playing. Keep playing. Don't, do not trust an MLS referee. Oh my God. Why would you trust an MLS referee? It's ridiculous. It's awful. God. That right there, that's another part where it's like, oh, well, it didn't go our way. We just didn't get a, a they didn't make a bad call in our favor. Just keep playing. Keep playing. Cross comes in. Header will go wide. The Portland Timbers uh, here in the second half have been the better team, Eddie. Yes, Glenn. You're 100% right. The Portland Timbers were the better team in the second half by far. And this is a recurring theme we've seen. I read an article today by Dynamo Theory. Guess what it was titled? A Tale of Two Halves. I think I've titled it an episode that. Why can we not put together two good halves consistently or one and a half halves i know that sounds confusing as shit but that's like you play well for six for uh hold on math 65 minutes can we get 66 minutes of continuity and organized responsible play because this 45 on 45 off it just isn't working we got to figure out a way 
to turn those where we play good for half and they play good for half. We got to figure out a way to turn it into where we are playing better than them for the majority of the game because that's not happening. And for it to not happen at home is, I mean, who is that on? Is it on us as supporters for not getting loud enough? Because we did get pretty quiet in there up until there were some calls we didn't like. We got very quiet up in there. Yeah, I was there. I was there for a bit until my daughter wanted to go home. But we, we have got to figure out a way to where we dominate 50 minutes and they get 40-something. Because we are literally splitting halves on at home and on the road. And yes, we're in a playoff spot, but we have a couple games in hand, a game or two in hand on teams in a position that if they pick up three points, they will knock us out of the playoff spot. So maybe the signing of Teenage DB couldn't come could have, couldn't have come at a better time, because that will shore up the defense, and that is something we have struggled with. And what's crazy is our defense is fucking better than last year. We are better than last year defensively, and we've only kept one clean sheet. So let that sink in. Still the Timbers. Mabiala now getting forward. He's going to get across into the box. The header. Oh, it's all tied up. It's a first of the year for Jeremy Abobasi. And it's the horror of all horrors for the Houston Dynamo. Once again, Glenn Davis called it as it is. It's a horror show. And it's a nightmare that we've seen on repeat for years. And we've been lucky to not have seen that much this year. But this looked way too familiar. What happened? Well, Matias Vera not hustling is what happened. We're going to break that down in the next clip. But you felt it coming. You guys all knew that this was the, the way it was going, right? When we left the match in the 75th minute because my kid was tired, in my heart, I knew, I think this game's going to end up tied. I do. And it did. And I was so fucking angry. In extra time. It happened in extra time with a back five. Oh my God. <sighs> let's let's hope this is not like, this is not going to become a habit because this is the type of shit that will keep fans away. It is. Pissing points away. I'm sure Tab got onto him. You know, a point is a point, but at home we need to, we need to be averaging two points. A win and a draw. Yeah? Okay, great. Now Matias Vera. Now watch Matias Vera as this ball gets cleared. He's not sprinting. you got to get to that ball. You have to. And then he makes a poor decision to dive in. Absolutely inexcusable. But what a cross. And Ibobasi just attacks this. I mentioned it a moment ago. 100% his fault. 100% the fault of Matias Vera. And what's crazy is he got the nod the next week to go play. And then we sub him off there. Why? Why was he not subbed off earlier? He took a couple hard fouls. He's played 90% of the minutes this season. It's Our midfielders have put in a ridiculous amount of numbers. Go look at them. Go look at them. Especially Vera. Vera has logged more midfield minutes than any other player on our squad. So for him to not be tired at this point in time, if he wasn't tired, he's a fucking robot. But that wasn't excusable. I, I get not wanting to get beat off of a, you know, he, he knocks it by you. But Jesus, get put a foul on him you would have beaten him there and that's it that's the game not only that but it's Abobasi's first goal of the year great glad we could be of service to you Jeremy uh, you know Vera does a lot of things good and this is one thing he did poorly so this isn't like it has made or break making or broken his season but god these were points that we should have had we should have had these points and it, this this tie felt like a loss like a loss as it should it was hard to watch hard to hear on the radio and just hard to deal with because it's a nightmare we've had one too many times and we don't want to have any more right <sighs> and that's going to do it it is going to be a rough ending here in the second half a big disappointment for the houston dynamo all right so now that we've Listen to the highlights, and I've given you my spin. We're going to go through these notes real quick and talk about each player. Marco Marich was solid once again, solid week after week, despite the fact that we're not keeping a ton of clean sheets. But at the same time, you know what? He's seen a lot of shots. I think he's sixth in the league in, in saves. So he is seeing quite a bit of shots on target. Adam Lundqvist, the Swedish boy, worked very well on the overlap with Zipasha. I, I think he works well with Tyler. I think they have good chemistry. And I think that 
Adam has a better chemistry with Tyler than Zarek does with Tyler or Fafa. 100%. You'll also notice Adam gets up to pitch more, whereas Zarek kind of hangs back. So a decent night from Val, uh, from Lundquist. From Adam Lundquist. Tim Parker, consistent again. Um, I think he slipped, almost led to a goal. He was up on that set piece that led to their goal. Um, but, you know, he does have good pace to make up ground. I've seen him where he's a little out of position, but he can move and he gets back and he hustles. My question is, how is Tim Parker not in contention for any spot on the U.S. men's team? I don't get it. Next to him is the ageless wonder, Minor Figueroa. Uh, he did a split at almost 40 years old. Like, he did that and my balls retracted, like Frightened Turtle, right? Had they go back into their shell. That looked painful. He does look comfortable back there. He's been the step up from Boney. He's been a step up from Funmayor. He, unfortunately, at 40 years old, is our second best center back. He's better than Sam Junkwa. You can argue with me all you want. Junkwa's not as good as Figueroa is right now. Where is Funmayor and when are we selling him? When are we getting rid of him? Because he's obviously the odd man out because you have Bartlow. You have the other center back that we signed in the Super Draft. I can't remember his name but I know I said it wrong. Funmayor needs to go, I think. I think this is year three, right? Year three, maybe year four. We haven't seen him at all. Junkwa got in before him. And Bartlow is a ball-playing guy in the back who's got a high upside. I think it's time to get rid of Alejandro Funmayor. I think with the DB coming in, we're going to look to sell Funmayor and probably pick somebody up either up top or in midfield. But it's time for Alejandro to go. Zarek Valentin on the right. I feel like pretty regularly he's a, a five to a six. He looks hesitant to push up the pitch on offense and overlap. He seems to hang back more often than not to kind of help on the uh, on the outside. But maybe maybe this is what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know. You know, I, I'm not in there when they when they game plan this. But I feel like Zarek has been very average lately. Uh, Joe Corona in midfield. Maybe I'm wrong on this one too. But I feel like he comes and goes. Right. No, not like a one-night stand. What I mean is he'll be there and you'll, you'll know he's in the game and then for stretches he disappears. Like I could tell he was playing for the first 15 minutes, but then he kind of went missing for a little bit and he does this. He's active, goes missing, comes back, disappears. Consistency. Maybe the game plan isn't suited to him. Maybe people make changes and they go to different spots, but got to be a little more consistent considering he's one of the few guys with international experience not based in Central America. Derek Jones, I think he right now is my favorite player. He, if you look at our shape, he was the true central defensive mid. Vera and Corona are more forward, so it's like an inverted three, right? It's a 4-3-3 attacking, I think is what it's called in FIFA and the FIFA. I love watching Jones on the ball. I love how he moves. He looks so troubled and like it's difficult, but the shit he does with his feet and the, his ability to step in front and steal the ball on stand tackles, I think his ability and his ceiling, I think he gets overlooked quite a bit. I think Derek Jones is our best midfielder this year, and he hasn't peaked yet. This is really his first year as a starter starter in MLS. This guy is going to be pretty fucking good. No doubt in my mind. So let's go on to Matias Vera, or as someone called him in Discord, a little bitch that cost us a goal. Yes, Discord called Matias a little bitch that didn't hustle and cost us a goal. It's true. And then he gets pulled right after. There's no point. And then he gets a start in the next match. What we saw was fatigue. He played all match. It's hot as hell. He's played mostly every minute of the year. Our midfielders have logged a shit ton of minutes. They're going to need a break. He should have been gone. Darwin Saren should have been in earlier, I think, probably for him. And then you drop him and Jones as defensive midfielders, and you, you put Corona up top. But man, ah, that killed me. All right, the man that's shaped like a bullet is next, Fafa. And I wrote, hustle, hustle, hustle. He gives all he's got. His goal off the corner kick, he kind of stole. He stole from Minor, which is fine. I wouldn't steal anything from my North Figaro because he looks like he could fucking tear a phone book in half, doesn't he? Fafa, what I like about him is he's a pest. He will foul you hard. He will track back. He will get in your face. I like him. 
And I can list positives about Fafa Pico all day. But this is a guy that's playing out of his socks. Because on most teams, he is the guy coming in the last 15 minutes, the last 10. He's a squad player on most teams. And that is something that you will notice through our entire squad. On our entire squad, you can legitimately say there's two guys who are not squad players, Tim Parker and Zarek Valentin. Joe Corona wasn't a squad player at one point in his career, but he was when we got him. We seem to take squad players who are undervalued and then we put them in these starting roles and it is working. It is working, but it, it would feel good, right? To look at our lineup and go, man, those guys could start for any club in MLS and say that about all of our guys. I love Fafa. God, he hustles. In the middle is was one of the most hated men in Houston. People hated Maxi. His finishing was off. He looked like he was a step or two behind. But dude, he is he is coming around. He's got six goals. He's fourth in MLS. If you base the All Star game on stats, Maxi gets in. I think. I think he's fourth, fourth or sixth. I think he should get in. If it's a popularity contest, he won't. But he loves sitting at that back post to try to volley those corners. He gets his chances. Pasher did a great job of getting in the ball. Um, he scored a goal versus Real Salt Lake. He's on pace for 15 to 20 goals this year, which is crazy. Uh, the little man that can, Tyler Pasher. I thought early on he looked like he was uh, trying to get too many fouls and went down quite easily. I thought he looked pretty tired, like I said before. But then he goes and he slots a goal with the right foot, and he does something that is truly, truly impressive. That was that was a very, very good goal, man. That was That was... That was straight-up class. Overall, our attackers looked good, right? They did. Memo didn't start again. He's really dropped off. I don't see him making the men's team at this rate. I don't. Uh, my kid wanted to leave at 55 minutes. She begged me for popcorn at halftime. She ate two handfuls. I ended up eating the rest. But on a plus note, a side note, a little positive, a little proud dad moment. She could have went to a friend's birthday pool party, and instead she went to the Dynamo game with me. So fucking good job, Dad. I posted on Twitter that part of this game is on me. I didn't drink a beer in the second half. I always drink a beer in the first half and the second half. I didn't do it in the second half. I was being a responsible dad, and we lost. So guys, fuck responsibility. I will be drinking a beer per half no matter what from here on out, period. Hey, BBVA uh, scoreboard worker, can you leave that QR code up a little longer for Trivia Nights? Because we can't all get it in time. Seriously. Yeah, thank you. The new man, BD Ted, Big Dick Ted as uh, people are calling him, he was there. He was in his suite. He saw us piss away two points. I would have really liked to have seen him go over to the supporter section. Maybe come out on the field and say a few words. Maybe go out on the field and, and do a little chant, a la you know, Matthew McConaughey banging a drum. But it's going to be real important that we see him out there from time to time. Guys, I don't think we're going to see him out there from time to time. I, I think we'll see him every now and again. And I think eventually he is going to kind of fade back and Jamie Roots is going to be the one at these games. Because Jamie Roots, to me, is the eyes, ears, and link from Ted Siegel to the local businesses and from the club and supporters back to Ted Siegel. I think that's why Roots is there, and I think that that is going to be taken from Matt Jordan and given to Jamie so Matt Jordan can, as scary as this sounds, focus on scouting. Um, overall in the game, Valeri and Chara come in, and the game shifts. We don't have a Valeri or Chara we can bring in. We have come in with a Lasseter or a Junqua. We have a Quintero. For some reason, we don't get, we don't get to see him a lot. But I think as soon as I saw Valeri come in, I was like, here we go. Then they scored that cheap goal in the beginning. Here we go. Then they got the second goal off a little lack of hustle. Here we go. And it was the horror of horrors, as they said. But could have been worse. We could have lost. How bad would you have felt then? Somebody wrote on Facebook that they were going to yell at Ted Siegel, fix this. It's going to take time. And he's, we're starting the right way with the defender. We are. So the Portland match was a huge disappointment. But the best thing about this episode is I covered 90 minutes of the Portland match in about 18. So, hey, it goes faster the second time around. Now, on to Salt Lake, which was a 
one-to-one -one draw. And before we go into the highlights and discussion, we're going to do team stats. Oh my god, this could have been a six-goal game. Six goal game. We could have gotten murdered. Thank you, Marco. Polo. So, Real had 21 shots to our seven. Nine of theirs were on target. Three of ours were on target. Possession, they had us 58 to 42 every week. So we don't ever win. That's that category. Passes, 439 to 334. Pass accuracy, 81% to 75%. They had more fouls than us, but we had more yellows. That makes fucking sense, right? I sometimes feel like we get flagged really quickly with the yellow card and other teams get away with it. And that might be bias, but I would be real interested to see total fouls against us and the yellow card ratio versus total fouls we've committed with our yellow card ratio. Because I'm pretty sure we're going to have more yellows and probably more fouls. But that'd be interesting. We each had one offside and Real had 13 corners to our four. Oh. Now I watched this one from a bar in North Carolina and... I only saw the last 25 minutes of the match. I did. I saw Ari miss a really good chance to steal all three points. But at the same time, we were outplayed to the extent that leaving there with a point, that was as good as a win. Houston Dynamo and Real Salt Lake culminating a busy week of MLS action. So the first thing I noticed when I went back and looked is that even though it was a busy week of MLS action for Houston for Real Salt Lake, we made two changes. Change number one, Memo goes in for Fafa. Change number two, Sam Junkwa goes in for Minor Figueroa. So it begs the question again, where's Foon Mayor? Wasn't even on the bench. I think that when we're this busy, if we're only switching out two guys in a match, towards the end of the year, we are going to see struggles. Lots of them. I think Zarek Valentin's played all but one game as well. So I was very surprised to see essentially the same team that played Portland get the start versus Real. There's next service in towards the near post, and it's turned in! Real Salt Lake opening the scoring through Justin Glenn. Simple corner, simple goal. And it's Salt Lake who hit the front. It's the best feeling in the world as a Dynamo fan to see the other team score against us on the road in the first 15 minutes. In fact, it's what I live for. When we go on the road, I think, oh gee, I hope we get to play uphill for 75 minutes. Here we go again. That was a phenomenal goal. That was a Ibrahimovic-esque goal where he wrapped his foot around Parker, hit it with the outside of his foot, and scored. You could do that. You could run that same exact play. 100 times over, and Justin Glad might, might score that goal one time. One time. So that's a hard goal to really feel bad about. But at the same time, it was another early goal on the road. That's shit we don't need. Ramos says Rubin is in behind. He's gotten beyond the keeper, but he's taken himself too far away from goal and able just to deal with the last of it. You got to give credit to Marco Maric on that 1v1. He did just enough to get that guy off his line and force him into a spot where he couldn't put a shot on net. Marco Maric, that was a great job. It wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And Marco understands angles, apparently. You're going to notice a lot of these highlights are about Marco. And now getting a chance to have a regular run in the Houston side. Krylak has to go, and it's come off the post. Like with what happened versus Portland, Real Salt Lake has another opportunity early on. It goes off the post. If you're a Salt Lake fan, you got to be feeling what we as Dynamo fans were feeling when Minor Figueroa missed his header off the crossbar. Those are the worst, to have it blocked by the woodwork. So right there, you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe the soccer gods are, are smiling upon us. Glad dribbling himself into trouble there. Now Ruti getting the cross away. And it was a diving header there from Memo Rodriguez who was trying to ward off Herrera the entire way. Oh, he's magic, don't you know? Our homeboy Memo. That was a good effort. It would have been huge to get him on the board, to get him on back, you know, having scored a goal because he's been missing an action for a while. But uh, just missed it. His cross is in towards Krylock. Free header, and it's a great save from Marich. He's parried wide for a corner. 
Hey, dead gum Mark on my has got reflexes like a cat. Like a dead gum feline. Marco, great save. Great game. Shit ton of shots. Lots of saves. Marco Maric gets this point on his own, and he should be the man of the match if he wasn't. Rylock. Rusnak taking it in. The header arriving, and it's just gone beyond the post. Threatening there was Chang. If you watch Marco on these, these ones that are just past the post, he's not pushing them out and, and giving away corners. So that's something to really pay attention to. How often are there those close shots where keepers will push it out and give a corner away versus Marco, who seems to have a pretty good understanding of where his bottom corners are? That's something that maybe we should look at and identify as being, you know how many corners he saves by knowing the ball is not going to go in or off the post? That's a stat to look at, right? Back again for Pasher. Try and play the one-two with Urutu. Has a go and he scored! Houston against the run of play have an equalizing goal. It was a lovely break there as Maxi Uruti has scored again. Six in eight for the Argentine. He scores again. Six goals. Keeps scoring. And that one was lovely. That was absolutely lovely. He's got a he's got a pretty good shot. If you watch Maxi with that right foot, man, he can really send some screamers towards the goalie. Having a great year. He hustles on defense. I really think he deserves a chance at the MLS All-Star team. I know he's not going to get it, but if he can stay up there and get the top three in goals before that rolls around, 100% he deserves a shot at it. Yeah, for Toya, his first time cross will deflect now here for Michael Chang on the back post. Chang now just trying to dink it towards go Krylock and another great save from Marich. Marco Marich has been one of our most consistent and best players this year. The only other ones I would list as consistent, Tim Parker, Derek Jones, and as much as some of you won't agree with me, Maxi Aruti. He's got six goals. That's pretty consistent. So, marriage kept us in this game, man. And I, I could not be happier for him. But, oh my God, can we find him a barber, please? Who did that to his head? Marco, did you lose a bet? What happened to your head, lad? Who did that? I bet one of the players on the team were like, hey, Marco, let me fade you up, and they fucked his hair up on purpose. That's got to be our next goal. Because if you're going to be a classy keeper, you got to look classy, homie. Take him to the barber shop. Mm, take him to the barber shop. Yeah, new haircut, bro. Play a through ball towards Lasseter, and it's well found. Lasseter's in behind Andrew Brody. It's Ari Lasseter. His effort is skied over, but actually looked like Brody... Managed to get a deflection on it. So this is the moment in time when everybody who thinks Ari Lasseter shouldn't be playing as much went to themselves, I told you so. This was a tough moment, man. Ari tried to blast it with his left foot instead of placing it. I thought this was it. I thought we are going to end up with three points. I would have loved to see him roll it onto his right foot and put it in the right corner. But at the end of the day, he tried to blast it. The keeper got a little hand on it. Didn't need to do all that. Lovely pass by Quintero. There's that creativity we've been missing. Maybe old boy's getting some form back. But man, at that moment, my butthole puckered. Like, I could have shit out four quarters. And uh, I thought we had it. But, it was not to be. To a draw. But it would require yet more heroics from Marco Maric. If the referee emerges from the video screen and points to the spot, no penalty is his decision. How many of you, when you watch them go to VAR, in your mind and in your soul, you thought, in your soul, you thought they're going to get a penalty and they're going to win the fucking game? Because why? Because we have post-traumatic stress disorder as Dynamo fans. We've watched our club, our one and only club, give away too many points at the end of matches. We just did it versus Portland. Literally did it four or five days ago. I thought, that's it. Fuck. Now everybody's going to be furious. No, the fact we didn't get a penalty called on us was wonderful. It was great. It was the right call, too. Good job, ref. Toya now. Forward towards Wood. Valentin won it. And there is the full-time whistle. If you're a Real Salt Lake fan, that has to feel like a loss. And guys, trust me, all of us in Houston know how you feel. We did not deserve a point there. We didn't. 
But at the same time, we didn't deserve only a point versus Portland. Although you could argue, you know, that that we did deserve only a point versus, versus Portland because of our poor second half. Either way, we had two points in two matches. We have to pick up a win at home. We have got to pick up a win at home. We need a win on the road pretty soon. We have to beat Cincinnati this coming July 3rd. Guys, this is 713 night. $7 tickets, $1 hot dogs, and $3 beers. And let me tell you, those hot dogs are worth every penny of the 100 cents you'll need to give yourself nitrates and possibly heart disease. I love them. There's a chance, there's a chance that I bring my girlfriend and her two children. That's right. It's getting serious. It's getting serious, player, to the match. They have a fireworks display. This is a great night to bring your kids out. Even if you don't watch, if you have a friend who has kids and a wife or whatever, and or a single parent that has custody that weekend, tell them, hey man, come with us. $7 tickets, dollar hot dogs, $3 beers. Bring them out. It's a good way to expose people that don't follow it especially when you bring kids. Kids are impressionable. They're like clay that hasn't hardened yet. You can fucking make them think whatever you want. It's it's unreal. So bring them out there. Invite your people. Now, if I don't bring my girlfriend and her two children, I do believe I'm either going to sell my tickets or I'm going to sell one and maybe one of you guys can come to the game with me. Fuck, I might just give it away. I could see it now. Houston Dynapod is giving away one ticket, your chance to watch the game with your favorite host, Finister. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe I bring somebody and I lose a listener. Maybe in person they're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. I mean, I know he sounds like an idiot in the podcast, but Jesus, in person he's even worse. In person he doesn't do the impersonations. He just says fuck a lot, which is kind of my thing. So, boys and girls, it's been a busy week. This is the longest episode I have ever done. If you made it this far, you must be stuck in traffic. Or you must have a weird addiction to my sweet, sweet, sultry voice. So, until next time, until after July 3rd, after we kick the shit out of those fuckers from Ohio. I don't like Ohio. They call Dave Chappelle racist names in Ohio. It's true. Watch his show. He'll tell you all about it. Give us a like, a share, a subscribe, a rate, a support. Remember, you can send money in. Give me all your dollars. I got kids that are starving. No, for real. My kids are hungry. Fucking send money. <laughs> they get tired. Dad, ramen again? Ramen. So get up there. Get your friends out to BBVA. Uh, pitch 25 ahead of time or King's Court. However you do, player. Get fucked up. Get out there. Get loud. Get proud. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see Teenage Dream Hadibi. But until then... Go Dynamo! Albert Police is going to get there. There's no question. He squares it. There it is. It's a double. And it's Bubba Rodriguez again. 